You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome into the 30th episode of Big Drive Energy, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, and official betting partner of the UFC. For this episode, I'm joined by my co-host, a.k.a. Big Drive Mitch, Mitchell Smith. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well, man. Just another day. Uh, I just got off work. We got to work together again today, so it's always fun. We had a little chipping contest. Um, I usually like to whoop Spencer's ass in those, so that's always a good time. Yeah, I'm I'm not great at the chipping, one might say. That's... (laughs) I take Big Drive Spence literally, you don't take Big Drive Mitch literally. You're more like Big Chip Mitch. <laughs> yeah, I like to chip in from time to time. That is your MO. You are you are a chipper inner of the golf ball. <laughs> all right. Uh, so today we got a lot of things uh, to talk about. First of all, some things from the PGA Tour last week, some news coming out from uh, I guess professional golf in general today it could have wavelengths seeing through the European Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour, things like that. We'll talk to you guys a little bit about Brooks and DJ winning last week on the PGA Tour and European Tour respectively. Uh, preview this week's Pebble Beach Pro-Am, which unfortunately Dustin Johnson just dropped his name out of, so we won't get to see him this week in America. But um, And then we got a little picks for you guys for the Pebble Beach program as well, sponsored by DraftKings, brought to you by DraftKings. So, all right, let's let's just get into it. Um, starting with Brooks, man, that what a what a great win for him, especially coming back from as far back in the pack as he did. What did you say, your buddy on DraftKings got him Sunday morning at, or Saturday um, night? Sa- Saturday night he got him at plus four thousand, 
I think I want to say to win it. And I think he had 10 bucks on it. So he made 400 bucks on Brooksy, uh, making that comeback on Sunday. And, and it is cool too, because I mean, Brooks is an elite level player. Don't get me wrong, but there's a, a few guys here and there like, uh, Xander Shoffley actually talked about it last week too, where you're in a position to win a lot. Like, I mean, Brooks has been playing. Okay. He's had some top tens, but he almost, well, what Xander said was he felt like he was almost choking a little bit with like finishing second and, in a lot of events, and I mean, Tony Fino is no stranger to that, but... Uh, Neither is Phil Mickelson in the U.S. Open? Yeah, yeah, a lot of those in the U.S. Open for Phil. But uh, it, it, it's a mindset thing. Like, those guys, once they they start not being able to close the deal, it kind of uh, gets, gets to them mentally. So the fact that Brooks, first of all, didn't go into Sunday with the lead because we know how, how great he is at uh, finishing tournaments with the lead, but the fact that he came back when he's not in his best form right now, could be a big shot in the arm for him. Like I, I could see him kind of railing off some wins after this and getting getting there right in time for major season. So he's just got a couple months till that. So, Well, yeah, he had a quote after the tournament, and he shot 66-65 on the weekend. So pretty Im- incredible comeback. And uh, Xander Shoffley actually had a quote as well. He said, Brooks has won four majors, a true champion, and it shows. There is a lot to be said for him and his recipe for winning. Me and my team are trying to figure it out ourselves. So a lot of respect from Xander to Brooks after coming back. And Xander kind of looked like he had that one locked up. We did a, a Twitter poll on uh, at DNVR go- underscore golf. If you guys don't follow us, you're making a mistake. Follow it now. But we did a Twitter poll, and everybody took Shoffley. A few people took Spieth, and like 20% of the people took the field. So shout out to the 20% of you that, that won our poll this week. Um, but then there was also a quote from Brooks, and he said, The dark places, a lot of tears, questioning yourself. It takes a lot of effort just to get out of those places. Because he was in not a good spot about a year ago. Um, coming off like another U.S. Open win, I believe, last year. or two, Well, two years ago, I guess. Not last year's U.S. Open, but two years ago. And Brooks was struggling, man, not just with golf. <laughs> There's a lot more to life than golf. And oh, 100%. And, and he was injured, too. And that's that's really the tough part for a lot of those guys. And I've been there, too. I mean, not exactly on the same level. But when I hurt my hand and I couldn't really – I couldn't even swing a golf club. Like, it, it just eats at you mentally and it makes you feel like you can't even do it anymore. On top of not being in your best form like Brooks hasn't been. Then he's hurt off and on. And it just gets so frustrating and, and mentally wears on you to the point where um, there's a lot of guys you see never come back from that. Like, uh, you can name a handful of names. I mean, Anthony Kim never came back from it because he cashed in an insurance policy. But uh, was that who you were going to say? Yeah, Anthony Kim was the first player that comes to mind that had such a bright, promising future. And then it literally disappeared within, it felt like a year, not even that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, there's been a handful of guys. Martin Keimer was really never the same after he got hurt there. Uh, Danny Willa got hurt and didn't really come back from it. Um, there's just a few other guys that it completely derails their career and they never get it back. And I don't think, I mean, Brooks is so world-class that I don't think he got to that point. But, uh, yeah, good for him, man. And for somebody who 
basically shows they don't care about anything. He looked pretty stoked when he chipped that one in on 17. Like you saw with the early, uh, the early club raise, like he was fucking amped. Um, well, that was the other crazy part about this tournament in general is not only that Brooks came back from such a daunting lead. I mean, Xander and Jordan didn't play well on Sunday and Jordan Spieth being good is good for golf for sure. He gets the ratings up and gets people excited, especially our boy, boy Beckfist, Jamesy. He has like an unconditional disgusting love for Spieth, but whatever. And, uh, you knew, I, I just knew in my mind after Jordan went and shot 61, I believe, on Saturday that there was a high number coming for him, um, but I thought Xander was good enough to hold on, but what, when Brooks came back from such a such a big lead to start, and then the way he did it by chipping in for Eagle on 17 and, and taking a two-shot lead just right out right there and just kind of ending the tournament, basically, it was a dagger, so... Oh, 100%. And that pin is not something to be fucked with back there that he chipped in on. I mean, he was going over a little ridge. If he goes long there, he's looking at, he's looking at, at least four, if not five. So that was a, a really big swing for him. And he's not necessarily known for a short game. You don't think of Brooks Kepka and Chip, Chipping in the same light, but... Uh, or in the same sentence, I should say, but he uh, he got it done, and everybody was saying, oh, he only wins majors, but this was the People's Open, so that's why he won it, because this is this is the People's Open, so I did like that a lot, which was uh, just good for him, and it's like he moves the needle, too. He's one of those guys that also does move the needle, like Spieth, uh, like Mickelson, Tiger. There's a handful of guys out there where, if they're in contention, a lot of people are watching, and he's one of them. So really good for the sport. Yeah, and it was good to see, even though there was only 5,000 fans per day, uh, you can kind of hear the crowd noise again. And that, that that gets me excited just for the future of not only golf going forward this year um, and other sports as well, that hopefully we get fans back into the arenas and, and get people excited about you know being back at games. Because I think everybody's taken it took it well i guess i know i took it for granted for so long going to a nuggets game going to an avalanche game whatever and now i'm like desperate to even go and sit like in the top row by myself if, if like i would give a limb to just be at a sporting event like here's a here's a quick example i'm going to scottsdale this weekend and i bought uh arizona coyote tickets so i am literally gonna go watch a hockey team that i don't give a shit about just to feel something, just to hear that horn blow, you know what I mean? It's, And I, it, I, I might catch some hate for going to a sporting event at this time, but um, I'll have my mask on, I'll be socially distanced, all that good stuff, and I just need it so bad. I was like, I got to go to a game if I'm there. If they're allowing fans, I'm buying tickets. So, Oh, yeah, well be, worth it. Oh, yeah. I'm, so I'm going to be watching a little uh, Coyotes and Blues next Monday, which should be a pretty good time. Hell, yeah. So, also winning this week, our boy Dustin Johnson, and what what it, what was the acronym that we made up for it? Um, don't um, the don't don't give a shit crew. The, the oh yeah, the, the DDC the don't care crew. Yeah, the DCC, the don't care crew won this week. Um, basically, what we're saying here is Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka work very hard at their game. We're not saying that at all, but they they are maybe two of the top five to six active players on tour guys not guys like john daly anymore but 
they just like are seem like normal dudes. They seem like dudes that kind of like you would go out and have a fun Sunday round with if you didn't know they were professionals. They're not like the stuck up golf professional that has his panties in a wad every time you have a rules infraction or something of that nature. So these guys watching them both win this weekend was it was pretty exciting. I mean, Dustin's winning almost every tournament he enters at this point, but he won over in on the European tour. It, it was in Saudi Arabia, I think. Oh, shit. Yeah, and they had a stupid stacked field, and the only reason I can think... I mean, the golf course looks great, but we talked about it a few pods ago. Like, I think that those uh, like Middle Eastern countries like Dubai and um, Saudi Arabia and stuff, and forgive me if Saudi Arabia... Is Saudi Arabia Middle Eastern? Is that considered... I think it's considered Middle Eastern, is it not? It's got to be. And Oman and, like, those countries, because uh, they do play a European tour event there. I think the uh, tournament sponsors give out a hefty appearance uh, fee for all the guys. So um, they got a lot of Americans over there playing this last week, and I, I got to think that they're getting paid a fair amount to travel 12 hours around the world to go play in Saudi Arabia. You know, that's that's the only logical thought. Um, because who doesn't want to play like in, in Phoenix, you know, that's, there's so many guys that are from Scottsdale. I'm not sure if there's any guys that live in Scottsdale that played in Saudi Arabia, but that would be pretty funny, um, to leave your hometown for a PGA tour event, travel 12 hours around the world to go play over there. But the course did look great. It was a, a killer field. Um, Tony Fee now finished second in not so surprising news. Uh, he tied for second DJ ended up winning by two and, um, hit a, hit a spectator in the process or a a volunteer, which we, uh, tweeted about. And realistically, I mean, it was all over sports media, but if you're standing that close to the fairway and you have your back turned to the tee box, you either lack the self-awareness of a fucking walnut or you just do not care and you don't know golf whatsoever. But either way, um, I thought the dude kind of deserved that. And if he says, like, oh, I was 3.30 from the tee, it's like, yeah, that's DJ's landing zone. You better fucking watch out, like, coming in gunsawed at you. So he, uh, that volunteer got, got walloped pretty good, and that was kind of the story all over sports media. But well-deserved if you're going to stand there. You, you got to keep your head on a swivel. Well, that reminds me of kind of a funny story. I don't know if you've seen this, but I'm pretty sure it was a viral video from probably like five to seven years back. But this dude got hit and passed out. Like, got hit with a ball, passed out, and got like a full-on raging. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Are yeah, you serious? Dude, his horns just sticking out of his pants, <laughs> and it was like I, I'll have to, I'll have to send you the video. But I, I'm pretty sure. I'm not crazy here. Like, I'm pretty sure that happened. He got hit in, like, the back of the head or the back of the neck or something. Oh, and, good and lord. That sounds out, dangerous on so many levels. And passed out onto his back, and the rest I've already said. I don't need to <laughs> I don't need to rehash that. So. Oh, my God. That is, like, the best thing I've ever heard in my life. Holy shit. Well, I mean, there's been other times, like, uh, Justin Thomas a few years back, he hit that driver off the deck and just fucking shanked, like, legitimately shanked it 
he like drop kick shanked it and it hit this dude in the back of the head that was like standing over on a like a, a, an island area like not nowhere near the green and in that case like i get it you know you're not really paying attention looking behind you when you're 60 80 yards right of the target but D or uh, JT just drop kicked his driver right into the back of this dude's head and he just went down. I mean, it's, it is unfortunate for the person getting hit, but it's pretty entertaining for the rest of us. So oh, that, the yeah. two, yeah, the tour needs it. I, I, I mean, I've been hit in the head before. I don't know if I've ever told that uh, story on the podcast, but it was pretty, pretty point blank range. I got hit like right above my left eye. Like, I could be fucking one-eyeing it right now if that thing was an inch lower. So, um, everybody's been through it. Golf's a dangerous sport, you know. It's uh, pe- People get scared away, but, you know, we're the real tough ones out there braving it. <laughs> Sticking it out. Uh, <laughs> so, there was also some news on the PGA Tour today, or I guess is PGA Tour is the right way to describe it, right? PGA of America. PGA of America. So, why don't you, why don't you get into that? And uh, well, so the PGA of America announced that at this year's PGA Championship, which is being played in May, kind of weird, um, in, in PG, or at uh, Kiwa Island, where we just were in December, uh, no, not a big deal, no big deal, um, they are allowing rangefinders and measure distancing, <laughs> measure distancing, oh my God, distance measuring devices aka lasers uh range finders i don't think anybody's gonna have the um the 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 bushnell clip to their their cell phone like some of the 70 some year old 75 year old dudes we have out of spring valley that have it clipped to their hip like their cell phone carrier they're like oh what's my yardage and they pick it up off their hip and check it out like whoa dude save some save some ladies for the rest of us but uh they're going to be using like Bushnell lasers and um, thing. I, I'm assuming I'm assuming everybody's probably going to have Bushnells. Uh, they're just the best brand out there. But it is a big deal because this is the first tournament in um, PGA Tour history that is allowing distance measuring devices. And I think I can speak for both of us, Spencer, when I say in a vacuum, this should definitely help pace of play. Like you're not stepping off yardages. You're not doing this you're doing that you grab it you check it check your number and then you do your math from there whatever five down with wind conditions blah 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 blah. but it should just take another factor out of it and uh caddies i don't think feel like they're being replaced by any means like you can get a yardage yourself you know caddies are there for so much more than just a number so um well, yeah, I it's not—it's not like they're not getting the right number now. I mean, they—they they almost ninety-nine percent of the time have the exact right number, judging by where they are but, in the course. And but see, that's the problem is there's actually going to be guys, and I guarantee it, that will get their their rangefinder out and they'll shoot it, they'll shoot their number, and then they'll step it off from a yardage plate to confirm that number. Like, tech—it's twenty twenty-one. The technology is plenty good enough to where. If one of those devices gives you a number, you know it's that number or within one or two yards at the most. Like two yards, okay, you miss it by two yards, and it it can be a big deal, but in in most cases, two yards, six feet is not going to be that big of a game changer. Um, but these guys are just so set in their ways, stepping every yardage off and all that, that 
it could end up slowing down pace of play, which um, somehow golf just always seems to step on their own neck with this shit. Like the, all the PGA Tour guys, are like, oh, they're allowing range finders, and then they'll go out and play a five and a half hour round. Like you know, it just just somehow people seem to ruin it. <laughs> no matter who it is, Bryson DeChambeau is going to be. He'll probably have two separate range finders just to to double check his numbers, and then he'll still step it off. So. Yeah, I, I think, in, like you said, in a vacuum, this will help pace the play, but then it could also make it worse, uh, j- judging by the fact of just what you said. If they're still stepping off the number and then shooting it and then shooting it again, or, you know, but I think it will be, like, it might be nice, too, if, like, the caddy can get up on the tee box and say, okay, it's 242 to cover that bunker, et cetera, et cetera, without you know, looking at it, looking through a book either. Um, I don't know exactly how those, you know, those books are in depth. I, I remember I played in a tournament at Colorado Golf Club and our boy Remy had one of those like green reading books for the golf course. It was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen in my life. They actually take like lasers and put them in the middle of the green and, and shoot the exact undulation of the green, like all lasers all around it. And it tells you exactly where a putt should break left, right, sh- go straight, whatever. And you can't see it like with your naked eye, but they were just trusting the book, and they ended up winning the tournament, and I ended up shooting like eighty, so no big deal there. With... It, it had everything to do with the book, didn't it? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> None of my drives went out of bounds or anything like that. I just, <laughs> I, I just couldn't putt, you know. That it was just... well. It's, there, there's actually quite a few guys on tour um, that say that those devices should be banned, like. Ian Poulter hates it. Brooks Kepka hates it. They're both uh, pace of play advocates, you know, get there, hit your ball, keep going. But guys like Jason Day would stand there and look at the green book for forever. Jordan Spieth's that guy. Um, Bryson DeChambeau's that guy. And Oh, my! F- I think one of my favorite things about Bryson, I think it was last year, early last year before he, or it was before he got like big, big. And everybody knew him as like the mad scientist, but I remember watching him putt, and then his putt goes like let's say left, and he like stares at it, and he was putting from off the green, and then he goes back to his book and is like adamant that the book says that putt should go right, and it went left, and he was like having a full on meltdown. It was great. Oh yeah, that well, and grain comes into it too. It depends on where you're playing. Um, a putt can. Actually, statistically, uh, break one way in a in a vacuum, but then grain of the grass gets involved and it can move a different way. But there is guys that say those should be banned. There's even some European tours that spoke out today and said that uh, distance measuring devices shouldn't be allowed. Like I, I just would love to hear their logic on that. Did you? see them go any more in depth with that, Spencer? No, I just I did see a few tour players tweet that it wouldn't help pace a play um so i i don't know the exact reason that like they decided to do it now i i don't know if it was a pace of play thing or it was like okay it's 2021 or and we have these devices so why don't we use them instead of having caddy step everything off um i also heard a rumor that possibly it's because the pga tour is going to have a sponsorship with a rangefinder company here very soon um, and, and in these days of 20, you know, 2020 and moving on in the, the COVID-19 area, I think any way that companies, um, PGA Tour is no different, like the NFL, different spon- NHL now have sponsorship on their helmets. I think any way that you can get sponsorship money 
and continue to try to stay afloat, if you will, without having fans coming and, you know, ticket sales. I think anything they can do to make that happen, they're going to. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see, like you said, a a Bushnell sponsorship here in the next couple weeks with the PGA Tour. I, I didn't even really realize that, but that is pretty true, and they could force pretty much everyone to use a Bushnell rangefinder. Because um, I think Bushnell's the only one big enough to have the money to be able to afford that. And they don't just make golf rangefinders, but yeah, Bushnell could be like the official PJ tour sponsor or whatever and pay them a hefty lump sum to see all the guys out there on tour using their Bushnell guns, you know, um, which is a, a different angle that I did not consider, but that is, that's pretty damn smart in all honesty. So I could definitely see that happening. And, and maybe like you said to, um, like it's 2021 we should just at least give it a try and, and i i commend the pga tour for giving it a try because then if pace of play is not faster which i'm sure it probably won't be that much faster if at all uh then they can point back to this tournament whenever somebody says they should be allowed to use rangefinders you know let's give it a shot and hopefully if it works and pace of play does somehow speed up then they'll allow them full time. But if it doesn't, they'll just point at this tournament and be like, yeah, that's why. So, yeah. So, all right, before we get into our picks for this week and tell you guys about a few of our favorite stops on tour and talk about the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, we want to tell you guys about DraftKings. So a couple weeks ago, we had we had the big game, obviously the Super Bowl this last weekend. I'm sure there was a lot of money um, bet on both sides of the Super Bowl from prop bets to Bucks winning to... Tom Brady scoring three or throwing for three touchdowns and winning the game. I did place that wager. Um, I also lost a lot of money on the Chiefs because I didn't think they were going to win. But there was also a UFC fight. Conor McGregor got knocked the you know what out. You didn't think the Chiefs were going to lose. I didn't think the Chiefs were going to lose. Yes, so I, I didn't think they were going to lose. I bet on them, but. UFC 257 was intense. It was a great fight. And UFC 258 is going to be just as exciting with um, Kamari Usman versus Gabriel Burns. Um, should be a great fight. Um, and DraftKings is giving you the chance to have 1 to 100 odds on on the fight. If you sign up for DraftKings and use the code DNVR, you can bet on a fighter to win. I'm going to go with Usman. Um, I like that name. I watched him fight a few times, and uh, all you have to do is place that bet for $1 to win $100. And like I said earlier, DraftKings is the official sports betting partner of the UFC. There's going to be a lot, of more, a lot more UFC fights coming along. I love having these every Saturday night to sit down and watch, um, especially now that there's no NFL or college football. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 on your chosen title contender to win. That's either Burns or Usman. That's code DNVR. Turn $1 into $100 on the main event Saturday night for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Do you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Pebble Beach Pro-Am. So that's the tournament we got coming up this weekend, but when we were talking about it and, uh, you know, I was doing some research, 
we decided to give you guys because Pebble Beach is widely renowned as one of the best stops on tour. It's renowned. That's a new word. Widely renowned. Is that, there you go. That's what I tried to say. <laughs> widely, I tried to mix wide, uh, renowned and widely known. So okay, fair well, enough. So it's known as one of the best, like most scenic spots on tour. Uh, Pebble Beach every year has multiple. Um, they're they're in multiple golf magazines, multiple top one hundreds in America. Um, as far as courses, Spyglass Hill, Pebble Beach, all those uh, Cypress Point, all those spots out there in California, and so. This field, or this tournament this weekend, got us thinking about some of the best stops on tour. So Mitchell and I each put together a little list of some of our favorite spots on tour. And I'll start with mine. Um, one of my favorite spots to watch, and just because it's always an exciting tournament because you never know who's going to win. If you look back at the past few winners, um, guys like uh, Ch- Chang Sung Pan, Satoshi Kodera, Wes Bryan, Guys, always like guys coming out of the woodwork and winning, and that's at Harbortown Golf Links in the RBC Heritage. Um, it's on Hilton Head Island, which we were just at a couple months ago. Beautiful area, designed by Pete Dye in 1990, and of course it's got the amazing lighthouse on the 18th hole. I think one of the more iconic like 18th holes in golf, um, and it was also voted one of the best PGA Tour stops by players on tour, and it's. It, the cool thing about it is now with everybody overpowering golf courses with distance, this is one that that can't happen. Like Luke Donald's had five top twos in the last 10 years here, and he hits the ball nowhere. So it's a real shot maker's course and a real like real good-looking course just from the aesthetic view of it. So Yeah, very challenging course from what I've heard. Tour players do love it, though. And like you said, it's a good change of scenery for them. They go from a bunch of 73 to 7,500 yard courses every week to a little shorter course, a little bit more challenging, got to work the ball a little more. So that's always a fun one. That was, that was right up there for me. Um, I'm a big Northeast guy. I like, uh, the Northeast. I like, I like Boston. I like, uh, Connecticut, New Hampshire, Vermont, all those spots. So, uh, two of my top three are in the Northeast. So I'll, uh, one of mine, my first one is TPC River Highlands in Cromwell, Connecticut. Uh, not a super challenging course uh, historically for the guys. Jim Furyk shot 58 there, I think, um, or 59, 58, 59, whatever. He, he broke 60 there. Uh, so, And Jim Furyk's historically not a long player. Um, it's just a really good, well-laid-out golf course. It's uh, one of the favorite tour stops. And you just see a variety of guys win there. I remember vividly, I don't know why it's stuck in my mind, but uh, Ken Duke won there a few years back. I don't know if you remember that name, but uh, just a quintessential, like, mid-40s dad. Like, big old beer belly sponsored by Tommy Bahama. It just looked like he belonged in Cancun with, like, a Hawaiian shirt on and a Mai Tai in his hand. And he won out there. And that always just stuck in my mind because not a long hitter, he went to a playoff with somebody. I forget who it was. And then uh, Jordan Spieth's famous holdout bunker shot also took place there. So that was uh, a pretty, probably the most historic shot uh, hit there on recent tour stops. Um, so that that's one of my favorites. And I just, I love the traditional setup, all the super green grass, the big trees. That's my thing. So my first spot is uh, TPC River Highlands. 
Yeah, we're both Colorado born and raised and love this state and may never leave it, but if we did, it would we would both be on the East Coast, specifically in the Northeast area. That's that's our jam right there. My second my second favorite course or I guess these aren't really in order, but one of my favorite tour stops is uh, Muirfield Village in Dublin, Ohio. Um, they host a memorial tournament and the cool thing about this course is uh, last it's a tough course too like all these courses are tough but for pros not all of you know we just saw I think 19 under in three days last year John Rom won this tournament at the memorial at nine under and he shot like 76 on Sunday so it's a, definitely a tough course it's a Jack Nicholas design and he's redesigned it twice in the last five years and every single hole on that golf course has been remodeled since 1974. So it's got the old feel of, you know, center of Ohio, but it's also got the new new design and, and kind of kept up with the times as far as designing it to make it hard for players today. So, Yeah, Ohio low-key, like, they have some of the best country clubs in America out there. Like, just country club after country club is just fucking gorgeous out there and great layouts they they're low-key stacked with golf courses out there so um never played golf out there i'd like to check it out uh eventually not i'm not like dying to go to ohio but you know i'd play some golf out there um so my second course sticking with the northeast theme and they're not playing here this year but they occasionally do play there uh tpc boston in uh norton massachusetts it's about I want to say between 30 and 45 minutes southwest of Boston. Um, just another really good layout. The the guys all love it. It's got the iconic 18th hole where we've seen guys make triple and quad, and then we've seen them make threes there. It's a great par five with the ravine right in front of the green. And it's just a gorgeous course. One of our buddies, uh, Tim Johansson, that we had on earlier, uh, well, earlier this last year in the po- on the pod, um, he got invited to go play in a, an event out there for Homes for the Troops, and he said TPC Boston was probably his favorite course he's ever played. Just such a cool layout, and it's one of those courses, too, where if you go out there at the right time, the fall foliage is just popping off. There's red and yellow everywhere, and, and they usually do play it closer to the fall because it's in the playoffs. So I think they usually end up playing it sometime in – uh september and it's not quite popping yet but the colors are, are close so uh really really fun tournament to watch and i would i would love to go out there and play that spot someday yeah i had an internship opportunity to work there and i'm still seven eight years later regretting not taking that chance and working at a at a place as as widely renowned how's that as that well done um, my, my last favorite course that I picked, uh, love watching this every year. Um, the, the memory of Lucas Glover winning here is still entrenched in my mind for some reason. I don't know why, uh, weird things come to my memory, but Quail Hollow in Charlotte, North Carolina, it was designed, um, and built in 1961 by George Cobb, who's designed like 70, 80 golf courses all around the South area. Um, he's also designed the par three course at Augusta, so pretty famous dude if you're designing the par three course at augusta he designed east lake um and it's also been redesigned three times once by arnold palmer and twice by tom fazio um and and i think one of my favorite things about it and and this gets me every time i don't know why if you've ever played well you have but if if you listeners have ever played flying horse i believe the 15th hole has this but if you have like a a green 
that runs off into a little stream that runs kind of down the side of the fairway and side of the green. That's like my ultimate favorite thing of a golf course. And uh, when I designed the Valley of Fun, uh, shameless plug, but if you guys play PGA Tour 2K21, go look for the Valley of Fun. Uh, I haven't been as active on there as I wanted to be, but I promise I will be better, be playing more and setting up tournaments. But the Valley of Fun, my 18th hole, has like a river running down the whole 18th hole. And I love that, that the aesthetic of that, like with the rocks and just the, any, any stream, like not a full on river. Rivers are cool, but stream, like any rock stream right around a green or on a golf course is just my ultimate favorite. Um, and this course has that right on the 18th hole, right off the left of it. And, and, uh, they hosted a 2017 PGA championship won by Justin Thomas, but have also had big name winners there like Max Homa, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, Ricky, Tiger. So pretty famous course. I love the name, Quail Hollow. It sounds like there's actually a golf course called Sleepy Hollow, but it sounds like Quail Hollow. And it's just a cool name and a great track. And, and I did really like, you know, North Carolina and Charlotte area when we were there. I wish we would have gotten to play Quail Hollow, but really good track out there in uh, on the East Coast and um, a fun one to watch at the, the uh, Wells Fargo event at every year. Oh, yeah. And I was going to say the thing with creeks is, too, that is such a, a good little thing from a design standpoint is it always just seems like they're in, right in the spots where everybody hits it. Like you tug an approach shot at Quail Hollow um, and it just lands left to the green. It's ending up in that creek. And then there's it, it's just in the back of your mind. It's not like in your face like a giant pond like, oh, don't go there. It's like, uh, I it can kind of play mind games with you because you're like, it's this tiny little Creek yet. You can definitely end up hitting one in there or two. So it's a, a, a really good feature to have on a golf course if possible. So I do really like quail hollow myself. Um, my last pick, and it's partially because I love watching the match play. I've always liked, liked the courses they've played the match play on in these recent years. But the re the most recent one that they play the WGC match play on is Austin Country Club down in Austin, Texas. And it just looks unbelievable. It's right there on the river. Um, it's always in the spring, like in March, when it kind of sucks out here. And it's really cool to see some nice weather. And they've just got a really, really great uh, layout for match play setup. Like the, the 17th is a really short par three where you end up seeing a lot of twos. And then the 18th is a borderline drivable par four with a really challenging uh, a green structure where if you don't hit the perfect shot, you could probably make four or five. But if you hit a really good tee shot and you gamble on yourself and, and go for it, um, you can end up making two or an easy three. So just a really, really great track. And it's one of my favorite ones to watch a tournament on. I, I really do enjoy that course. So that, that rounds out my top three. Yeah. So when you're watching the AT&T Pro-Am this weekend at Pebble Beach, enjoy the beauty of that course because it, and this is kind of one of those fun tournaments too. The, the AM part, I guess I, I they're still calling it the Pro-Am cause that's what it's called. But the AM part is out this week due to COVID, of course. They're just doing the professional event. Um, but they play at Spyglass Hill one of the days. Um, Pebble one of the days on Thursday, Friday. Both they split the field in half. And then once there's a cut going into Saturday morning, they play both the final rounds at Pebble Beach. But truly one of the most iconic golf courses in America and probably even the world. People travel from all over just to play it. And I believe it's, what, the seventh hole? It's like 125 yard ish par three, 
full on water behind waves crashing into the rocks right by the green just truly amazing so take that in um the views if we were doing a course review on pebble beach which we may do someday once we get to actually play it uh they'd have like a seven or an eight probably on our our flag rating <laughs> of five so um, oh, yeah they would well exceed any maximum uh rating that we could hand out exactly so for our picks we'll go over a little bit of what we what our picks ended up like last week for the waste management, um, kind of an unfortunate week for us. We ended up down, <laughs> down, These fucking suck. Down three point eight units. Uh, like I said, when we tell you guys to take a top ten, you can bet whatever you want. But what we're doing, just so we can keep our record as bad as it may be for the year, we take one unit bets on our top tens or top fives. Those are usually right around um, plus a hundred, sometimes more, plus four or five hundred, depending upon the player we pick. Um, and then we usually sprinkle just a sprinkle, maybe a half unit or quarter unit on a winner. And so this week we had five total picks or yeah, five total picks, um, with two of them being each for a half unit and ended up only hitting one of those. Uh, my Xander Schauffele top 10 at only plus 120 wasn't ideal. Um, but yeah, Will Zalatoris didn't have a great week. Max Homa didn't have a great week. Um, there was a couple guys. We um, John Rahm ended up finishing in the top 10, but Mitchell had him to win. So not an ideal uh, week for us, unfortunately. Um, but a gambler keeps uh, shooters shoot. And so we're going to keep on shooting and giving you guys our picks. And so this week, Pebble Beach, Mitchell, what do you got for us? Um, so I'm dropping a couple of my top tens here first. I got two top tens and a winner. Um, I got James Hahn plus 500 to top 10. He's been playing some pretty darn good golf these last couple weeks. I think he's had a few top tens. He was in contention. Um, I thought he was going to win last week at the waste management, dude. He was taking over. He made, he was like shot 31 on the front on Sunday and took the lead by himself. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know he's definitely playing some good golf right now, and he's a Col- or a Colorado native. He's a California native, so I think that kind of plays a little bit of a, a part in the, the, the whole Pebble Beach thing. So I've got him at plus 500 to top 10 it. And, and I just want to throw this out there. Gambling on golf is a bit of a crapshoot. That's why the odds look the way they do. So And we're not professional gamblers by any means. We're fucking degenerate, horrible gamblers. So take our picks don't take our picks but i suck at this and i am no longer going to apologize when i get every single pick wrong okay so we got james hahn top 10 plus 500 (laughs) we got yes we've got james hahn um and then i've also got joel damon joel Damon, i think is what it is uh plus 700 to top 10 i don't really know my reason behind this pick if i'm being honest i just really like the guy um he's always on social media chirping everyone he hits the ball pretty damn straight uh which comes in handy out at pebble you don't need to be super long it's not too crazy long um and he is a pacific northwest guy so i think he's pretty used to the kind of weather that they have out there at pebble he likes the rainy uh, overcast kind of weather that they usually do get this time of year out there. So I just have a good feeling about Joel Dahman top 10 in it plus uh, a 700. 
I love it. So uh, if you guys are listening to this podcast, well, if you are, log into the DraftKings Sportsbook app, click that AT&T Pebble Beach, get down there, get you some Joel Dahman. I'm betting it right now as we speak. Top 10, we're going a little James Honor. Top 10. And who do, you have for, to see it. who do you have for the winner this week? Um, so oh, actually, wait, this... wait, wait. Your winner can okay. piggyback off of mine because I think we, okay. have, we have the same guy. All right, so this week, my picks. On a heater, I've hit one at least like four weeks in a row, a top 10 at least, so haven't lost you guys' complete ass. You can blame Mitch for that. Um, <laughs> so I've, I've kind of found a trend in my golf betting, and I always seem to be like one week behind so like i'll pick a guy to top 10 he'll he'll do like 15th get like 15th 20th do okay and then the next week he vaults up the leaderboard so two weeks ago i picked xander shoffley he didn't win but he played really well then last week i was like all right i'm picking him again guess what he almost won the thing and he got top 10 which i mean he was favorite but still plus 120 that's no bet is guaranteed i mean chief's money line was minus 167 they lost they got embarrassed Anyways, so I'm going back-to-back here with my boy Daniel Berger. He missed the cut last week, and the last cut he missed, he was T2 in the tournament right after that. So he's had a couple days. He got cut on Friday. He had the whole weekend um, to head over from Scottsdale into the California area. So wait, he he was your top 10 choice last week, and he missed the cut? Yes, yes. We did. That's a big. That's a big old whiff. There. Yeah, I mean, you shot big, two under in two days. It's like, dude, it was just that's a big swing and a miss. Out swing there. and a miss. But I'm going back to back. So look for Daniel Berger to top ten here. Um, he's it's plus one fifty, so not great of odds. But last week I gave you Shafley. That was an easy winner. He was almost winning the tournament the whole week. Um, so Daniel Berger, he was tight tied for fifth here last year. So I considered sneaking it up to T five this year to get a little better odds, but. Even with the plus odds, I'm going to take the top 10 on Daniel Berger. And then uh, another top 10, which will also be your winner, I believe, uh, Kevin Streelman. So Kevin Streelman to be in the top 10 is plus 400, so bet 10 to win 40. Um, This is just straight up, we've talked to you guys about this before, even though sometimes our picks suck. Uh, A lot of the times players play good at certain courses. Like I mentioned earlier when I was talking about one of my favorite golf courses, Harbortown. Luke Donald gets like second or first there every year that he plays in it. Um, and so this is a horse for a course here is what we're calling it. Uh, Kevin Streelman, sixth, seventh, and second here the last three years. He shot 11 under last week at the Waste Management every single round in the 60s. He's 14th on tour right now in green and reg percentage, which is big for a track like Pebble Beach. And one thing, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it about Pebble Beach, that's kind of fun and takes the distance game out of it is you can't really overpower pebble beach because there's a lot of areas that you just need to hit it into so shorter tour players may be hitting driver and longer tour players may be hitting three wood to get in the right spot but a lot of the times on these approach shots this tournament's really going to come down to who's hitting the best approach shots not necessarily who's gaining a lot of strokes um t off the t compared to the rest of the field so Kevin Streelman, top 10, plus 400, and that is Mitchell's winner at what? What was your... Uh... Um, he is plus 4,000 to win it, and I just, I, I got a sneaky feeling about Streelman. He's a Wilson guy, and uh, Gary Woodland's also a Wilson guy that won the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, so I, I just a crazy 
intuition there. I don't know. It, it literally has nothing to do with one another, but I'm just feeling it. I just like Kevin Streelman this week. So if Kevin Streelman wins this week, we are full-on shotgunning beers to start the next podcast because I got the top 10 and you got the win, and we made ourselves and everybody else a ton of money. So, 100%. And one thing, another little interesting fact about Pebble is it is uh, the greens are an average of 3,500 square feet which is one of the smallest on any tour event and any professional event so tiny greens green and regs going to be a huge thing and that's why i was kind of eyes on kevin streelman and then my pick to win is ches reevee plus eight thousand so a dollar to win 80 so toss a dollar on that just toss two dollars on that um in 26 rounds on smaller greens with poana which is what Pebble Beach is, he's gained 2.09 strokes compared to the rest of the field, which is by far the best of any player in the field this week. So he's a real good putter on these greens. He's comfortable. Like I said, Ches Reevee, not a long hitter, um, fairly good wedge player and a good putter, and that'll really, really benefit him at Pebble Beach, especially on those tiny greens, like when you don't have to overpower and you really can't overpower this golf course. So, 100%. That sounds like my kind of spot. So Ches Reevee plus 8,000, lock that puppy in. Oh, I love it. Great choice. All righty, guys. Uh, well, that does it for us today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Big Drive Energy. You can follow us on our social media, Big Drive Spence um, on Twitter, Big Drive Mitch on Twitter. Give us a, a review on Apple Podcasts on Spotify. If we sucked, if we did great, let us know. And yeah, and uh, we're uh, and we're growing every day. Congratulations to Tom Wise for winning our hybrid giveaway. We're going to be doing a lot more of these this year, just kind of growing our follower base. Um, we know that there's a lot of people that like golf out there, and they just got to find us. But uh, we're building this thing from the ground up. And to those of you that have been there from the start, appreciate it. And to those of you that just joined, welcome. Uh, we have a lot of fun on this podcast. We talk about golf. We talk about a lot of other things, gambling, etc. Um, but we do have a good time. So we hope you enjoy it. Like Mitch said, give us a rating. Um, follow us on Twitter at DNVR underscore golf and or uh, me at Big Drive Spence and hit Mitchell at Big Drive Mitch. Uh, appreciate you guys all listening. Until next time, we will talk to you later.